Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by the success because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals through your planning and your committed effort. My interviews provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. My next guest is a well-known athlete. Let's go with an athlete because sometimes when you're an athlete, people won't just keep you over there. His name is Sheldon Williams, the former NBA lottery pick and Duke University Hall of Fame player. We're discussing his career from Oklahoma City to the NBA. In between all that was a little unknown school called Duke University. <laughs> his life after basketball and how he inspires to give back to the community. That's really why I want him on this show. We hear a lot of things by athletes and we only hear one side of the story. The Sheldon Williams Foundation is dedicated to empowering student athletes and their families by delivering and supporting initiatives that provide emotional and physical health through sports, education, and community involvement. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation for the very first time, the athlete, Sheldon Williams. How you doing, Sheldon? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. We know I, I emphasize athlete because somehow along the way, you guys get diminished. You get diminished on your ability to communicate. You're diminished on your education abilities, your articulation. How do you how do you overcome the athlete stereotype as you move forward in life, Sheldon? Well, it's interesting that you asked that. I mean, until LeBron was probably more the most forefront athlete that sit there and say, don't put us in a box. Mm -hmm. Make sure that we know we are more than what we do, whether we playing football, dribbling basketball, we're more than that. And I think uh, that was the first time they actually like said it out loud, I guess, and made it more of a worldly thing. Right. But before then, it was always kept in a box like, all right, this is what you do, and this is pretty much it. So a lot of people now are kind of bringing themselves on the mainstream like, hey, this is what I use to get to this point. But the overall me, this is X, Y, and Z. And I try to use my social platform to let people know this is what I do, not just what I did in the past or what you know me as, this is all me. I'm going to share you a little piece of my life, Sheldon, because, you know, I, uh, I'm a, a sitcom writer, stand-up comedian, did Def Jam and all that. And one of the bigger components of my life was I managed Steve Harvey. And I bring that up because of the fact that, you know, we had a ride together like 16 years and, you know, won Emmys together, uh, Image Awards together and uh, box office movies, Family Feud, uh, hit books. And when I walked away and started to develop my own career, I kind of was still trapped into that world. And so I, I bring that up because as an NBA lottery pick and at the highest level that an athlete can perform, and that is as a basketball player, you want to make an NBA. How were you able to make that transition? Because a lot of people kept you in that bottle of being an NBA player or What's going wrong? Why are you not still playing in the NBA? Talk to us through that that that, that emotional uh, release of trying to build your brand, the Sheldon Williams brand. Well, that's always kind of a 
I wouldn't say difficult path. It just it's, it's a path that you haven't done. Yes. Because um, you've been all your life been trying to be this athlete that you inspire to be, whether you looked up to Michael Jordan or mm-hmm. any other guys that play in your 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 position or your sport. You aspire to be those guys. And then once that timeline is pretty much ended, it's like, okay, what do I do now? So hopefully within that one to two years before it does actually end, mm-hmm. you kind of start thinking about my next move, my next plan. And it's always hard because you always think that this is what's going to be for a lot of number of years. Right. And it's not always like that. So for me, when I actually started to think about retiring, I wind up saying, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to go ahead and do something that, one, keeps me active with my daughter, who's now 11, mm-hmm. as well as keep me within the game of basketball. And I was able to, and fortunate enough, to actually be a scout for the Brooklyn Nets on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I did that for about three years before I said, I want to try my hand into coaching mm-hmm. and, you know, be more hands-on than actually, you know, kind of be in the back for an office type. Well, you know, um, the death of Kobe, um, you know, was still a shock. And I, I remember I went to L.A. after his death, and uh, it was like ghost town, man. I had never seen L.A., which is like party central, which is like glitz, which is glamour, which is, uh, as they say, Hollywood. And then you mentioned your daughter, you know, daddy's girl. You know, I have a single, I'm a, I'm a father and I have a daughter. So, you know, the importance of, uh, of that role that you play and, and guiding, I, I'm, a, I, I all, I'm always available for her to have a comment. And then you see what happens to Kobe and that, that whole daddy girl syndrome got, did you get caught up in that? Did you realize your role that you have in, in, in with your daughter who's 11 now? Well, I got caught up in it because one, my daughter was actually doing things with uh, Gigi's team and the team underneath Gigi's team at the Mamba Academy. Mm -hmm. So she was familiar with both of those, you know, people. Mm -hmm. So when that happened, it kind of hit a little bit closer. I mean, obviously it was sad for anybody to go down like that, Mm -hmm. whether it be a named, well-named person or just anybody. But what really hit me was the girls that were around my age, my daughter's age, not able to actually live their life right? and got cut short. Mm-hmm. And talking to her about it, it really hit home for me. I'm like, dang, like literally these are somebody that you was actually in the academy, my mama academy practicing with, practicing against. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they're gone. And it's very sad for that to happen. But that right there kind of hit closer to home to me because of the little girls that were around my, my daughter's age. I was actually around my daughter as well. Right. You know, my, my, I bring up my daughter because she was a professional athlete. You know, she was a, a tennis prodigy, you know, so she was homeschooled and uh, she played on the tennis tour, professional tennis tour, and then she blew out her knee. And um, and when she blew out, I always remember like the week before Thanksgiving and uh, she asked me, she said, Dad, what do you, she, Dad, can I, can I do something else? And I said, what you want to do? She said, I want to go to college. And you being an athlete and, you know, you just as a gifted athlete, you know, smart guy from Oklahoma City. Like you said, you you went from university to varsity. Do you feel that you were ever pushed along or did anybody ever stop and ask Sheldon what he wanted in the early years? Or you just positioned to be this great athlete and you had no other option? Well, growing up, 
my dad, he played basketball. He played in college as well. Mm -hmm. But for me and my younger brother, he didn't want us to follow in his footsteps. He wanted to kind of find our own path. Right. Granted, my dad's 6'8", my mom is 5'11". Right. <laughs> I was going to be in our future. So um, I went from playing baseball, mm -hmm. soccer, and football, because Oklahoma is a big football state. Absolutely. And then, what's that? I said, absolutely. You come to Oklahoma City. Come on now. Oklahoma, right, come on right, now. Right, right, And then I went into basketball. Uh -huh. So I started playing basketball and football all the way up until my freshman year when I got moved up to the high school team because back home, ninth grade was still junior high. Mm -hmm. So I was able to do both those things. But honestly, with my dad, he wanted us to find our own path. And then once we actually found our own path, he was all right, this is what you want to do. Are you sure? All right, all right, if you're going to do this, then this is what we need to do to get better every year. And he kind of laid out guidelines for me and my younger brother to follow if you want to be successful in that sport. Well, you know, because we're going to talk about your foundation, but I'm just kind of getting everybody a, a sense of who you are, you know, your story, because the fact that you're a gifted athlete, you know, there are some steps that go through the process that you can get pushed along. I know that, you know, as my daughter got better, you know, specialized coaches are coming around, you know, I was, you know, I, because they wanted to, Fix his, fix her, her backhand, you know, fix her serve, you know, fix her ground strokes and all that. But, but that's that period. And now fast forward, Sheldon, the, the IMG academies, you have, uh, social media. What was the worst thing you had to deal with when you were coming out of high school that the players have to deal with today? You know, because technology has to be the one thing. Is it social media or is it is it the academies? Is it the the, uh, the circuits? What is it? Well, for me, I kind of missed that area, the era, because mm -hmm. that didn't come until later on where right. the whole social media platforms mm -hmm. and the IMGs was kind of later on in my high school career. Mm -hmm. They kind of kind of made it big time. But when I was actually growing up, if you had any kind of success, it was in the you know front page of newspaper. Right. So people reading that and then all of a sudden people circling, you know, every time they play against you that, hey, you know, you got a target on your back. Right. So <laughs> it's kind of minor compared to what it is with the social media. But if you read the paper or your parents got the paper and your pictures on the front page of that sports section, people start paying attention to who you are. Right. And then all of a sudden your name kind of circulates throughout your whole area and people try to come after you from that. You know, because now because you know social media exists now, and it's like certain people shouldn't be certain people shouldn't be on social media. You know that too, Sheldon. Certain people should be cut off. You know, they they Twitter to cut uh, Donald Trump. They need to be cutting some of these athletes. So as you because you're a mentor now, you're a mentor. You as one of those been there, done that. Uh, uh, the success is part of your resume. A uh, Duke University Hall of Famer. What? what you know, and I'm gonna tell you this, Sheldon. I, you know, I wasn't a big fan of yours because you were just so good in college and you played for Duke. You know, I'm gonna just tell you, I love you as a man, as a person, because Duke was just man. How did you pick Duke, man? You in Oklahoma, football country, UT right there, University of Texas is right there. You know what I'm saying? How did you go way over to Duke to play basketball? Well, that's a question that I got asked a lot when I was leaving the state of Oklahoma. Like my. High school teammate with the OU, my high school AU teammate with the OU. So they try to do like a package deal. Right. All three of us go, you know, kind of like, you know, Oklahoma boys stay in Oklahoma, which was cool. But you trying to tell me the best of both worlds, Duke academics, 
right. and Duke basketball, and you have a chance to go there, mm-hmm. how does that compare? Like, my, my dad was a big educator, so right. education was very high on our list of schools when we actually looking for schools to play for. Mm-hmm. So to have the best of both worlds, it didn't compare Duke, Texas, Duke, OU. It didn't, you know, any other Big 12 schools didn't compare. <laughs> What's the shit? Stop, Rashawn, stop. It was no comparison, brother. Okay, UT, maybe, OU, no way. Duke, uh, exceptional university. Because a lot of people, when you when you see a powerhouse like a Duke, you tend to throw them in a pot and forget the academics that comes with a school like Duke. Tell us about the academic standards that they have there and why Duke is such a, a, a strong academic school. Well, the academic standards was, like I said, one of the major reasons why I chose that. Like my dad, as I said before, was a big educator. Mm-hmm. So he stressed education on us all the time. With him being a, a teacher, mm-hmm. we had assignments and projects all year round. Right. So whatever we had going on for school, if we didn't have homework, best believe that my dad came home like, all right, well, we got this project to do, or you got to read for an hour on this book right here. So it was always him pushing us to do something to further us along mm-hmm. with our education. Mm-hmm. So once we got to do it was the same thing where you're in classes, you're in study hall, you're in all kinds of study groups that kind of make yourself, you know, put yourself in, in good position to actually be successful. So a lot of the times where you think you may not know something, Duke did a good job of having people accessible to talk to, to help you along the way. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, just, just with the education alone, we know that if you got a piece of paper from Duke, Right. It's going to set you up for, you know, whatever you want to do later on. Now, when, when, when you talk about yourself, sir, as, as a player, you know, when do you start making a conscious decision that it's time to move on when you're an athlete? You know, because that's the hardest decision, you know, because of the fact that it's something some ways you don't plan for an exit. How do you know? What, and, and also the second question is that when did the Sheldon William Foundation get started? Was it during your playing days or after you left the plan, after you left the court? Well, it was always in my mind, the Shelton Williams Foundation was always in my mind to do. I just didn't have time to do it because once I got done playing, I had my daughter, you know, the whole off season. So with me playing, my daughter was getting older and was like, Daddy, how come you're always away? And that kind of got to me because, like, she doesn't understand we're trying to make a living for her. All she sees is, Daddy is on a road trip or daddy's gone for whatever amount of days. That's all she's seeing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of got to me. And that's why I kind of retired a little bit early because I was like, you know what? You're right. Some things are more important mm-hmm. and you are more important. So I wind up retiring early so I can spend extra time with her. And as I said before, I kind of, you know, got into a job where I was still able to do basketball with the West Coast scouting mm-hmm. and then be with her. Mm-hmm. But kind of going back to the question about the Sheldon Williams Foundation, that was something I had already in mind. It was just a matter of doing it. So mm-hmm. once I retired, I want to say it took about a year before I started doing anything about it because that whole year I took off, it was just uh, me and my daughter. Right. And I was making sure that I was doing like, you know, ballet classes and you know, <laughs> recitals and, you know, all those other things that I didn't think of myself doing, but I'm over here front row, you know, doing all that stuff, like, right. you know, uh, just kind of being with her and making up for lost time and everything. But I wanted to do that because one, I grew up, my mom was big into doing charity, mm-hmm. foundation, whatever you want to call it, nonprofit type work. 
growing up when I was doing Ronnie McDonald House, mm-hmm. I was doing Feed the Homeless, Mobile Meals. Mm-hmm. Those things were already instilled in me. It was just a matter of back, you know, a matter of just getting me back into the swing of things and getting that opportunity to actually fully invest myself in doing that. And that's why I started Shelter Mills Foundation about two years ago. Okay, now you said the Shelter Wheels Foundation is dedicated to empowering student athletes and their family by delivering and supporting initiatives that promote emotional and physical health. Let's stop right there. I got the physical health. What is the emotional and physical health through sports, education, and community involvement? Talk to us about that. Well, as you see a lot of kids nowadays, they're dealing with a lot more than I wouldn't say a lot more. I think it's more addressed now than it was back when I played. Because if you had any kind of situation where off-court problems or, you know, uh, family issues, once you got on the court, a lot of coaches are like, hey, do this. If you can't do it, I'll find somebody else that does that, that Mm -hmm. that would do that. Mm -hmm. Now, fast forward for all these years, like, hey, I noticed that you're not being yourself. Come over and talk to me. What's going on? You know, getting to that point where like, you know what, you more than just, you know, an athlete, mm-hmm. you're a human being, you're a mm-hmm. person. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I, I'm tied to what you're doing as well mm-hmm. and talking to you as a human being and not just a person that comes, and not just like a, a factor that comes in and out, you know, how it is with sports where things change so fluidly, like everybody's coming in and out. I want to make sure that you know that I'm here to talk. This is beyond basketball. It's really important because, like I said, I, I can relate to a lot of the things that you're talking about because my wife was with my, you know, she she retired. She was a, a practicing uh, optometrist and she retired so my daughter could travel and make sure that a stranger wasn't tied to her, my daughter, making sure my daughter was, uh, you know, not being mistreated physically. Because like you're saying, as an athlete, people will push you and guess what? And guess what? And, and, and push you beyond because I, I see so many stories about tremendous athletes who failed because they were put in situations that were uncomfortable and they didn't have mentors or they refused to tell their parents what was going on out of fear. What made you survive? Because I, I love the way you keep bringing up your parents. You know, this whole conversation during this interview with doing Shelton, you constantly mention your parents. That really is the key to you and who you are today, right? Your parents. Uh, of course. I mean, my parents is what made me who I am today, me and my younger brother, who I am today, or who mm-hmm. we are today, should I say. Like, if they wasn't able to instill those things into us, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be where we are right now or what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a big credit to what they did for us growing up. Mm-hmm. And now it's more so like, hey, you see a version of them in us as we are doing things that we try to do later on down life. So I would say, like, you know, me always mention my parents. There's a reason for that because they play and still are playing a big factor in my life. Now, here's the interesting thing about both our lives. We're black men, Sheldon. And um, and I tell people, I, you know, I got to go back, you know, to George Floyd. And like I said, you and I both know that we are. I can speak for myself. A, a cop stops me for anything. My flags go up. I, I don't feel comfortable, especially at night. I don't really feel comfortable at all. 
And so is that part of the education process that you're talking about, the community involvement process that you're talking about, trying to uh, develop relationships for young black men and female uh, young ladies can be able to get through life and sports is just one of the tools that they can get them out of the neighborhood or giving them positive options because the world sees us for who we are based on the color of our skin. I don't care what anybody says. The color of our skin creates a different conversation. How do you correlate that within your your foundation, the Sheldon Williams Foundation? Sadly, that is a talk that we constantly have to have for people that look like you or me. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we have to do every time. And it's, it's sad to say, but we have to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff, especially this year, has been more and more recorded, seen, you know, going viral, whatever that you're saying or whatever you think it is, it's been going on for decades and decades, but yet we're seeing more and more almost on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And a conversation that, that needs to continue to happen for people that look like us has to be a forefront conversation because if you're not blessed enough to come from like where I came from a two parent home, right? You know, where I was able to have these conversations daily about what to do in these situations. A lot of these kids don't have that. So having somebody that actually can talk them through these things so they're not another statistic ended up like the people you mentioned, which is sad to say, but that's how it is for us living nowadays. I know it's you know because because we're having a real conversation now you know and I'm not saying we didn't have one earlier, but because of the fact that you and I both know you know you know you're a taller black man than me you know which means that I, I do as successful as I've been in my life I've walked by saw white women clutch their bags I've saw them look at me in a, a manner that I think that they feared that I was going to do something uh, and I'm and I'm in tailored suits. I've walked into places and people have questioned with a, with a look as to why I'm in that facility or why I'm in that restaurant or why am I walking down that street? You know, and uh, with, with that being said, you know, athletes has always proven to be a, a vehicle of, of change, a vehicle of opportunity. But like we also stated with LeBron, he's trying to peel back this. We are only there to do a service. And that's a physical service. And I feel that's part of what you're trying to do with the Sheldon Williams Foundation, correct? You're more than delivering a physical service. You are, you're, you're, you're developing people who are taxpayers, who are going to get education, who are going to make a difference in the community. That seems to be the core of the Sheldon Williams Foundation. Am I correct? Yes. I mean, uh, you kind of pretty much hit it on the head for a lot of these youth that I'm trying to help and give back and give opportunities to a lot of the undeserving, you know, families and people that want to be able to get out of situations they are in right now. I mean, you kind of said it already, how you being tailored suits, me, I already have kind of a two strikes against me being tall and black. Right. So a lot of <laughs> when I'm walking down the street, you do see those things. And I'm, I'm a guy that I'm not necessarily over, you know, Joyous when I'm walking around, like if I know you, there's something different or but right. if I'm walking around, I'm very, very stoic. Right. I said, like, people will take that as a sign of, you know, I don't know, something that makes them afraid. Yes. And that's something that I've been dealing with from pretty much day one. Yes. And 
seeing this, I have to actually over like, you know, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Like over, you know, make myself like, you no, know, even make, make, make sure they feel more comfortable, which is sad that I have to actually do this. Absolutely. You know, you got to make them feel more comfortable. You have to change the way you walk. You have to change your tone to make people feel more comfortable. Well, guess what? You're already comfortable. You know, that, you know, I, like I said, I, I just wanted to, to, to just bring that out, you know, because on this show, I try to have honest conversations. You know, you know, you can do a lot of interviews, Sheldon, and these and these interviews are about the success of your career. But we're talking about now and how you have to change lives now. And like you said, a couple of years ago, you started the Sheldon Williams Foundation. It's an extension of who you are. Is this the voice of who you are now? Because at one point, the voice of who you were was an athlete. Is this your voice now? This is pretty much this is pretty much my voice, part A, part B. You know, like building up as you keep growing, you mm-hmm. keep evolving, right? And that's something that we as human beings continue to do. So a lot of people, especially for social media, you only see the athlete. And then if you follow me on social media, you'll see I'm talking about you know my daughter, mm-hmm. uh, social issues. You know, you'll see, like I said, part one, part two, part three, you're seeing a lot of stuff is going on and that's evolving as I evolve right. as a person and the person I'm going to become in the future. But it's always ever changing. So you always going to get something different than you may see a month, you know, a year ago, whatever right. case may be, mm-hmm. you will see that I'm not going to be just put into a category, a box. I'm always going to try to help and try to extend myself and do more things where I'm not going to be just one category. Okay, let's let's have some fun here. You know, you 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 know, you're former lottery pick, you're former NBA player. You you watching games. You know, you you know, we we see the 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 big three that they put together in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, can they win it all, Sheldon? Can they win it all? Well, the thing. The thing is, until last, this past year, LeBron and AD were the first team to win right off the bat. Right. When they got together mm-hmm. for a long time. I mean, when LeBron and, uh, LeBron and uh, D-Wade and Chris Bosh, when they got together, they didn't win right off the bat. They had right. to wait a couple years uh, before they won their first one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have all these different big threes as forming. The last time I seen a big three to form that won right off the bat was back in Boston when KG, Paul, and uh, Ray Allen first uh-huh. formed up. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, it's difficult to do, especially with guys that demand the ball as much as they did. I know they had a hard loss last night, uh-huh. but I don't really pay attention to that loss just because, like, with me being at Duke, right. a lot of people circled our number on the calendar to make sure that, hey, no matter what we're doing, we're going to get up for this game. And that's how it is for Brooklyn Nets right now. A lot of people get up for that game. So they lost to uh, Washington Wizards by, I want to say, one or two points. Mm-hmm. And it was a high-scoring game. But until Washington Wizards can continue to do and play like that, that game doesn't really mean – it doesn't hold much weight mm-hmm. just because they, they lost. 
if that's the, that's the nature of playing uh, what seventy two games this season. But when you, when you talk about playing a game and watching a career, and then Sheldon, I, I look at the the honors or your jersey number and uh, seeing Duke being a Hall of Famer. What 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 stands out to be the most impressive thing that has happened in your career that you would always go, man, I can't believe that happened to me because you've gotten them all, you know, Gatorade awards, uh, All American honors, lottery pick, walked on the stage and recognized in front of a thousand people as one of the top athletes in the world. What 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 always brings a smile to your face when you think about it from an athletic standpoint? I'm probably going to say being able to have the opportunity to have my jersey hung in the Raptors of Cameron Indoor Stadium, being one of 13 guys. Of that's, all a bad, that's a bad Raptor there. Christian Leitner, Jay Wheel. That's a bad Raptor there, baby. Grant, <laughs> Grant Hill. Come on now. Shane Battier. See, I know. I know Duke, man. <laughs> Of all, of all the great players that play at Duke, my name and my jersey will be forever hung in that Raptors. So I would say that's probably the greatest one because, like, being a kid out of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. I didn't see myself, one, mm-hmm. leaving the state of Oklahoma because at that time, I've only seen one player leave the state of Oklahoma play, and that was Eton Thomas, who right. left to go to Syracuse. Right. Yeah, everybody stayed in the state of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So once I got a chance to actually play for Duke University, right. And then as my career started unfolding and I had an opportunity to become a player that I was going to become and have the opportunity to be actually have my uh, jersey retired, mm-hmm. that was a true blessing because I didn't go into Duke thinking that. I went into Duke trying to think, hey, I got to prove a lot of people wrong from back home in Oklahoma that I can play with the biggest and the best of, of the college basketball right. and in the best ACC conference. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Sheldon, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Man, you're great. You're a great talker, boy. You know what I'm saying? You 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 got some words coming out your mouth, my friend. <laughs> you know, you, you, you have that little laid back, little stoic personality, but man, you can talk, man. You got something to say. You know, and, and continue to make a difference. I know that uh, we was connected and uh, it's an interview long overdue for us to connect. Uh, uh, COVID slowed down the relationship with 2021. You know, we know what uh, COVID's going to do from an athletic standpoint. We see uh, how affecting uh, the high schools, uh, college level, and players who who want to go pro or players who want to extend their athletic careers are being cut short or they're given an extra year of eligibility. But I know that if you ever need me, my man, Sheldon Williams, Rashawn McDonald's a friend, and I'm always there for you, brother, and I hope you enjoyed this interview. I appreciate that. I, I did enjoy the, the interview. I appreciate you having me on. It was great talk, great discussions. Also, I mean, for us to actually talk about not just basketball, but the whole life mm-hmm. experience and topics was great for me to actually talk to you about it. So thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate my time. Well, you know, the great thing about it, Sheldon, is that you know me now. You know that you know when we talk in the future, it's going to be a different because, you know, coming on when I say hello, a friend saying hello to you. And we're going to talk about life, man, just life about making sure you and the brand that you're building now is important and affects millions of people, not just hundreds, but millions of people because your brand's worldwide. And uh, social media allows that to happen. The digital platform allows that to happen. And my job is to make sure that you are a blessing to everybody because the Sheldon Williams Foundation, like I stated earlier, is dedicated to empowering student athletes and their families by delivering and supporting initiatives that promote emotional and physical health through sports, education and community involvement. Again, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation, Sheldon Williams. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversations interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com or subscribe in our YouTube channel. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. 